0: Figure Lending, LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Hello and welcome to the China Sports Insider Podcast on the Syndicate Network. I am Hyde Valiant, and in the studio is a visibly depressed China sports insider, Mark Dreyer. Why is Mark depressed? I have a feeling it has something to do with reports that NHL players aren't coming to the Beijing Olympics after all. We'll check in with our old pals on the Chinese national hockey team, who's in, who's out. Tennis player Peng Shuai emerges, and Mark had a, a little scoop there this week. And then we'll finish with a chat with Olivier Grignard, he's a Belgian who's been coaching tennis in China for a decade. But we have to start with this. According to a couple of reports, NHL players will not be coming to Beijing to compete at the Olympics. Mark, the disappointment. Comes in like there's two different directions here. Crashing waves, crashing waves. Well, it also comes in (laughs) crashing waves. (laughs) I mean, some you know, absolutely. Did you go through anger? All the different. I think I'm at stage six
1: right now. Whatever that is. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So, so at the point that we record it, they haven't officially announced, but it's it's a done deal. They're not coming. And um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's COVID related. There were so many different angles, and we talked about it on the show last week that the players might have decided to pull themselves out due to the misinformation uh, that was circling around in terms of the China quarantine rules and so on and all these kind of scare stories. But it, it looks like that decision has been taken away from them. And the NHL in their in their agreement to let the players come, they said, Look, there's one thing that that if we have if COVID's too bad and we have to reschedule too many games then we're not going to be able to allow that three-week break because we're going to need that time to to, to reschedule the games. They've already had enough uh, postponements to to make that that you know to trigger that. So it's a done deal, whether or not they've announced it as of the time you're listening. So something like eight years since a best-on-best
0: tournament and counting. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's really too bad. And a big part of the glitz and glamour of the Olympics is is also gone. So that you know is that is that going to put up you know sort of a bit of a pallor on on the games do you think
1: well you know perhaps a little bit too dramatic to say another nail in the coffin but um you know with with the covid restrictions it wasn't exactly gonna be a joyful olympics anyway um but i was you know i despite the english accent i'm half canadian and so um you know, hockey is somewhere in my blood deep down in in the (laughs) the vessels. Uh, You know, I love watching hockey. I was really looking forward to to watching the games, you know, working some some back channels to try and get tickets because we still don't know if people are going to be able to get tickets. And with with the virus, you know, kind of roaring around the world, unfortunately, the capacity may yet be limited even further than it was already going to be. Venues the last we heard are kind of somewhere between 20% uh, to, to one-third full for, for the indoor venues. Um, but honestly, uh, they haven't released any official numbers, so it could be less than that.
0: You know, speaking of misinformation, there's so much weird info just just floating around here in Beijing about, you know, whether tickets are going to be available, if they are going to be available, who's going to be able to get them, is it going to be state-owned enterprises, you know, people who work for state-owned enter- enterprises only. Uh, you know, it's it's just so funny, but the fact is we just, we just don't know yeah, yet.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: One one of the things that I so I was reading uh, Elliot Friedman's column uh, today about, about about this and he you know, he was talking about how he thought there should be um, a World Cup of coffee uh, the World Cup of hockey yeah. organized World Cup of coffee yeah a World Cup of <laughs> coffee that's just what I need right now obviously um, <laughs> the the worldest cup of coffee that there is but um, no he he, he suggested that should be a World Cup of uh, of hockey organized as soon as possible it's just you know the World Cup of hockey is is great. It's better than nothing, but it always just has left me kind of like
1: well for me for me it appeals to hockey people. Uh when hockey's at the Olympics, people from from other sports who aren't necessarily hockey fans will watch. And like I said, you know, it's it's they're not as big as you know when like the dream team goes uh, to basketball and so on and the NBA players, but they're still big stars. And you know whether you're a hockey fan or not, they are some of the most famous athletes at a Winter Olympics, which is already smaller than the Summer Games. So the glitz and glamour, such as it as as it was, has has definitely taken a big hit. So if
0: if if the NHL players aren't coming, yeah, I, we were talking about this a couple of days ago, and I loved your uh, suggestion for the Canadian team. Who sh- who should play for the Canadian
1: team. <laughs> so, well, so so right now as as uh, you know regular listeners to, to to the show will know there's a whole bunch of Canadian players who are in the process of getting Chinese passports to play for Team China. They still haven't announced, we still haven't had the, the you know the official signing ceremonies where they sort of pose with their with their new Chinese passports. So maybe call them up because they're in the KHL who will be having the uh, the Olympic break. Um, and they can, they can play for, China, for Canada instead of for China. Um, who knows? They're, they're going to have to, the NHL, they, well, the US and Canadian teams are going to have to look for probably European-based players. Some people have said send the junior team because there's a, a junior World Cup right now. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Maybe they'll have some recently retired ex-pros. They've done that in the past. Uh, but they're kind of scrambling. They're going to be working the phone lines like crazy now because it's, what, a month and a half to go? Yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: one more question just about the NHL decision though. My understanding was that they had until January 10 to make a decision without a financial pe- penalty. Yeah. I mean, that's that's 3 weeks away. Why 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 aren't aren't they going to wait just to see what what happens?
1: Cuz there's so much uncertainty and if there's already uh, so many games that have been canceled that they know they're going to have to reschedule and they're looking at, you know, the calendar guys are looking at it and thinking, well, We only have so many days left in the season. They don't want to drag out the season any longer than it was. They've done that for the last uh, couple of years and it's it's basically just a nightmare. And they also have scheduling difficulties because, of course, a lot of these arenas where the the NHL teams play, they share with with basketball teams. They, They have a lot of concerts scheduled as well. So there's only a certain number of dates. So it is tricky but um massively disappointing <laughs> for, for us here at least. So one group that may
0: not be as disappointed is the national Chinese hockey team.
1: Yes, and, the men's team. I yeah. mean this is this is a huge result for them because they are, of course, in a group with the US and Canada and Germany. Now, all three of those teams have some, well, particularly the US and Canada, but, but uh, Leon Dreisaitl from, from the German team, one of the best uh, forwards in the NHL right now, would have been facing Team China. So suddenly their games are looking dramatically better. Now, I should caution, I, I've spoken to a few people this week and, I, you know, hockey experts and sort of asked them, you know, well, how much better is it looking? And one guy in particular out, well, they're still not going to score a goal. And I was like, really? Really that bad? Like, you know, I've been watching quite a lot of KHL highlights. They've got some good players. Now, it's obviously not at the same level. But given who they're going to be facing, these kind of European players, the Team China basically is like a bad KHL team right now, if we're being honest. You yeah. know, that, that's yeah. where they are in the rankings in the Russian League. They're not the worst. They're not getting blown out all the time. They're keeping a lot of games close and winning some too. So... You know they've got some uh, strength in depth is 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 not exactly a, a good point for them, but it'd be interesting to see how they do. It. I, I don't think they're going to win a game for sure, um, but uh, they'll at least make it uh, a little bit more competitive than it would have been against the likes of Connor McDavid.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know there was a, there were wholesale roster changes in their team uh, this week, weren't there? Yeah, yeah,
1: and and a little bit of friction there as well. I was hearing from from a few people inside the camp because a number of those players, about six or seven uh, players who thought they were going to be on the Olympic roster have been released. Some of those players have been with the Kunlun Red Star System for for three to four years. They've basically, you know, given up what other career they options they might have had, whether in hockey or elsewhere, to play for Team China. Now, I'm not saying just because they did that, sh- they should get chosen. You've got to have a, a team on merit. But clearly, they thought until very recently that they were nailed on to play in the Olympics. That was kind of going to be their dream. And... Um, and so uh, difficult decisions, I, you know, on the other side, the Chinese authorities, they're also thinking, well, we need to give opportunities to, to homegrown youngsters. So, it, so it's a bit challenging, but um, there's still some uncertainty. We still don't know, you know, that they're, they're playing the team right now. There's quite a lot of changes. Who's going to start, you know, particularly in goal, there's some some question marks there. So, right.
0: yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's sort of the consequence of not having a a strategy from like two or three years ago that that you would have had the players that you wanted possibly on that team and they would have been playing together but that's just not how it works. i mean the
1: strategy was kind of laid out as you know um but it was just disrupted so many times. And the right, fact that they, meant, the yeah. fact that they, like we still don't know if they've actually done the the paperwork to give them citizenship to make them qualify. Like it seems to be done. They've announced basically this is our Olympic roster. Yeah. Um, but until the rosters are officially uh, submitted to the IOC and, and announced, you know, with, with the IIHF approval, who knows, right? But it, it's a lot of Canadians. There's a couple of Russians in there as well. Um, and I believe one or two Americans as well as some some local chinese as well so a pretty international squad yeah but they do have the advantage that they've been playing together consistently at least this year which the new us and canadian teams will i mean they will be coming together last minute so
0: 6 weeks from today yeah. basically yeah. is when we start crazy wow <laughs> so you you've you've had a really busy week this week a little bit yeah yeah you've yeah. you you've been basically everywhere uh, every t- every time I look, turn on the uh, the television, <laughs> to turn on the radio, or a podcast, there, there's there's Mark.
1: My ugly face popped up. Oh yeah. come on, <laughs>
0: get out! You know, face made for TV, right there. Um, so what what have you what
1: have you been up to? I was talking uh, talking to um, to NBC about uh you know the latest um punchline stuff. Oh, and b- by the way. You weren't just talking to
0: NBC. You were the absolute star, (laughs) star of the show. Um, Okay, so for the listeners, I I don't want you to miss out. So here is the entirety of Mark's comments to uh, NBC's Today Show, by the way. This is their morning show. Here it is.
1: This is a story with the Olympics around the corner that kind of ticks a lot of boxes in terms of in terms of global headlines um, and sensitivities. We didn't have any technical error. That was it. What was yeah. it? Five, six seconds. Can we play it again? Like maybe slow it down so it uh, lasts longer. You know, I, I'm sure. I, I gave them so many amazing mm-hmm. insights, none of which we used. It was probably about 25 <laughs> minutes of interview. And I think six seconds got through. But hey, you know, I understand the pressures of uh, the Today Show. So, um, you know, no hard feelings. And, and then you were, you were also on Reuters. Yeah, so Reuters were doing a piece on basically tennis in China and particularly with the the WTA Finals previously was was in Shenzhen and, and how that was a huge big tournament for them. You know, what does that mean for for, for tennis in China and and particularly the city of Shenzhen because that was sort of seen at a local government level as a real showpiece event for them. Yeah. Have you been to Shenzhen? Uh yes, I have, but I'm not a regular visitor. Um, it's a bit it's a big gap on my China. Yeah, you need visit. to go. A lot a lot of get, lot of people have very good things to say about Shenzhen. I, I would love to go
0: next week during the Christmas holidays, but I, I don't think there's going to be much <laughs> yeah. uh, travel happening here. I don't
1: think so. And it's f- yeah,
0: cold, cold here. I'm so warm in Shenzhen. Uh, exactly. Yeah, exactly, you, that's might, you might
1: not get back. That's no, the problem. That,
0: exactly, exactly. And you you were also on CGTN.
1: That's right. I'm a total media whore. I will literally speak to anyone. <laughs> yeah. So it's quite, it's quite, funny. it's quite, it's quite, funny. They 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 messaged me and said. So do you, we want to talk about um, the success of China's hockey system um, uh, despite the uh, the lack of funding. And I thought, well, wow, let's have some fun with this. I'm not quite sure what success they were talking about, uh, and it's certainly been very well funded. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> uh, that was possibly some wires crossed there initially, because what we talked about was sort of inequality between men's and women's sports. And actually, we talked not just about women's hockey, but we talked about um, you know, I was talking on CGTN about about the WTA and women's tennis in China, uh, and how they were sort of, uh, in fact, paid better with that Shenzhen tournament than the men's at their equivalent tournament at the point where that uh, the Shenzhen finals were, was announced.
0: And the other, and the other massive story, obviously, this week uh, was the Peng Shuai story.
1: Yeah. So, so for people who had missed it, there was a cross-country ski event uh, in Shanghai over the weekend. And Peng Shui was sort of paraded out in front with with Yao Ming and also Olympic sailing champion Shu uh, Li Jia and then a table tennis uh, uh, star uh, Wang Liqin. So there were kind of the four of them were chatting, and then an interview with Peng that, that made her story you know right back in the top of the news cycle again. Right, with with a Singaporean news outlet. Yes. Uh, so yeah. So it's Chinese language, um, the the Lianhe uh, Zaobao and uh, Singaporean um, paper. Well, and you had and you had a bit of a scoop there, and that, so that went viral on Twitter. Well, yeah. So it turns out it wasn't a reporter asking the questions; it was someone who's been working in their sales team for about the last five years. So, again, just I mean, look, there's so many different angles to talk about this story. Um, we've we've discussed a lot of them here on the show before, but but from a pure communications angle like it's just been so badly done from start to finish because I, I don't know who's behind this or kind of like advising like let's put out this picture or this video or, or, or this email and think that it's going to be believable it's it's you know it's so badly done and every time the story dies down globally some chinese state media or reporter puts out another picture or a video and then it's right back up at the top of the news cycle again it's like is that really what you want <laughs> it's I don't know. I guess, Again, like I, I said, lots of other angles, but I'm just like, what is going on? Who, what What is someone thinking here? So we actually had a chance
0: to talk to a tennis coach, Olivier Grignard. He's coached some really successful players here in China. Uh, some of them who have been ranked really, really high in the world. And he came by with the player he's coaching right now, uh, Lu Jiajing. We tried to get her on the mic too, uh, but she was pretty shy. But you'll, you're going to hear her in the background a couple of times. And after the interview, I really geeked out. I mean, I, I <laughs> he really did. Said, he
1: did, folks.
0: I, oh, so so I, I asked her. Like at one point, I asked her, or you asked her about you know what kind of tennis racket she uses. And that she was, said, you asked. So okay, so I asked her what tennis racket. She said what size grip. Yeah. She said she uses a head, but she uses a Babolat. And I said. Oh, I use a Babolat. Like I am like that first of all that matters at all. Yeah. Or, like I'm on any kind of level that she is on. She is she was ranked like something like 160 yeah, Well, she's been up to one
1: uh, in the 160s in yeah, the world. Yeah. Like, she's ab- been injured more recently, but
0: absolutely amazing. We did not talk with her,
1: but we did talk to her coach who, who was I thought was really interesting. Here it is. Olivier, welcome to the China Sports Insider podcast. Thanks so much for coming on.
2: Thank you very much.
1: Just give us a little bit of history as to your career in China. You've been here over a decade. Um, you started off in the north, you're now based in Beijing. Tell us what you've been up to.
2: So it's been, yes, 11 years I'm here uh, in China. I started in, in Beijing, actually. I'm a professional tennis coach uh, for a very good tennis player called Lu Jiajing here in China. Uh, and she's highest ranking. Her highest ranking is uh, one sixteen three in the world.
1: So you first came over with Carlos Rodriguez, well-known coach who, who previously coached with uh, with Linar. Exactly. Right? Yes. So what? How did that all happen? Like, uh, how did he? How did he bring you to China?
2: So actually, the technical director of his academy contact me. They, they mentioned that they will start to uh, open a professional tennis team in China and then just think about me and my friend asked me to to come over to beijing and i jump on the opportunity to working with uh, carlos and uh, the team actually
1: and more recently, you have your own Academy here in Beijing. Why don't you just uh, introduce that a little bit and tell us what sort of age players that, that you, you coach and, and the, the ambitions and the goals that you have for the program.
2: So yeah, I just start my, my own little school here uh, in Beijing two years ago. We have two schools, uh, one in uh, Guomao area and uh, the other one in Shunyi district. Uh, next year soon, one in Chaoyang actually. So we're running a tennis program for every age, every level for everyone's willing to learn uh, tennis. So I'm trying just to create a meta to uh, share my experience to uh, every beginner and, and tennis lover actually, and, and try to have a fun way and nice way to, to learn tennis.
0: I just want to go back to 2011 just for a minute, because that that's a really special year in China, mm-hmm. because that's the year that Lina won the French Open. Mm-hmm. First of all, did you come before or after that happened?
2: Yeah, Just before. What, what
0: impact did you see? after when she won that french open what happened in, in in china in terms of like the excitement and the interest in, in tennis
2: honestly i didn't see so much difference it doesn't have a huge impact uh, but i've seen during 11 years how china have learned and improved so much actually so i've seen the progress but say because of lina uh, she won you have much more enthusiastic tennis player i'll see a, a big change from uh, the day she went and the, next, the the day after, nothing changed, actually. So I've seen the improvement of Chinese tennis player and Chinese tennis uh, year after year, after, actually. So uh, I cannot really tell. I have a huge impact. Um, it's it's very special and weird to say that, actually. Of the women now, in singles,
0: there are re- a couple of really exciting players to watch. Actually, more than a couple. Just outside of the top 100 is, is Wang Xinyu. She, she's 20 years old and, and in November she beat Emma Raducanu who of course won the right. US Open right and uh, Wang Siyu she won mm-hmm. the Junior Women's uh, uh, US Open mm-hmm. in 2018 do you, are you familiar with their games like and, and and what is it that they have to do to make it to that sort of next level to make it into the top 50 top maybe even top 20
2: I think both of them I'm always confused with their name because their name are super yeah. similar yeah. I just compare them <laughs> with left hand and right hand so what's the name of the, the left hand like one C, Uh she's very complete and and like she have a very good game very good techniques very good tactical and good mindset. I think she can go definitely very far, but I think she needs to build up more confidence with herself. Unfortunately, during COVID-19, she couldn't play so much and it was a critical age for her and and stage to make good results. So I don't know how how she will do, Uh, but I, I think she really much more increase her confidence on the court and out of court because she, she should lead more, I think. Uh, about in you the, the right-hand player, I think it's more about her tactics and, uh, and techniques. She's a super powerful girl. So the, she's hitting the ball like very, very fast. Her ball is very heavy. But her game is, is very simple in some way. So uh, she should learn more or, or, or change the game, find more angles, maybe change the rhythm. Like not only hitting hard, but sometimes play a little bit more slow, more high. Try to push backwards the opponent, not only side to side. So it's more about game plan, actually.
1: Do you know much about their individual setups, like who their coaches are and where, where they train? Are they more part of like the, the national team? set up or they kind of have their own their own coaching no
2: actually both of them have been educated by foreigners coach a lot actually so not too much uh, like chinese local coach of course they do have it for one you the right hand player uh, i know her father uh, was the director of chinese national team and he have a great experience as someone i respect a lot because he's doing very good job actually so
1: I remember talking to you a few years ago, and I believe it was 2015, mm-hmm. uh, when, when Coco Shu, who was right. a junior player, ranked number one in the world, and everyone thought, you know, this is, this is the next Lina. Mm. And of course, it doesn't always work that mm-hmm. way. Now, mm-hmm. what are some of the pitfalls that you see in these really, really talented mm-hmm. junior and kind of sub-junior players? What stops them? What's the difference between those who do make it to the
2: top and those mm-hmm. who don't? I think have a great team, it's very important how I have the, the right people who surround you. Uh, not only tennis coach but having a great physical coach to not having injury, to getting stronger, good ph- good physiotherapist as well. At this level if you can afford and you should actually invest yourself to and invest in a in physiotherapist. Mental coach also. That's a a big uh, game changer. And uh, I think great manager and great sports agents makes a difference. So have the whole package makes you going to another level. I think a lot of uh, top players, like once they they break the top 200, they, they have, they earn some money, but because it's so hard to earn the money, they prefer to saving money. So they are counting how much they are spending I speak generally, not only Chinese player, but they are really like scared to not having money for the end of the year or whatever for traveling. So they are they are counting like, okay, i should maybe not spending money for this and that. And so instead
1: of investing in more, indeed, you, know, you need staff, to right?
2: invest your money in your team because your team that's what's make you stronger and going to another level. So um, that's super important.
1: From a more general perspective, do you see uh, differences in? some of the Chinese setups versus the international players, or mm-hmm. is that gap decreased over the years that you've been in China? It's, it's
2: very interesting. I think Chinese players are more fortunate in terms of uh, of money. So, like, provincial team and, like, the club can have, and sponsoring can give a lot of support to, to Chinese players, so... That's very good, actually, so they can really make their dreams come true. But sometimes, because like either the parents or, or maybe some people from the team, they don't have much clue about tennis, so they, they surround themselves with the, the wrong people sometimes, and uh, they should be more careful who they are choosing, actually, and, and have a bigger visions. But it's not easy for them, also, because tennis is a new sport. So they're still learning, and they still need to have more experience. And in the opposite side, for foreigners, like, like for international athletes from uh, America or, or Europe, I think for, for them, they don't have enough money, and they, they wish to have great team around them, but they, they're not spending so much, so they they have more difficult. That's very interesting. In contrast to the success of the Chinese women
0: mm-hmm. in world tennis, mm-hmm. and I had to do a double take. I, I was at the ATP... Rankings right mm-hmm. now and i was just looking for where the top chinese mm-hmm. men's player is if i were to ask you to guess mm-hmm. what what would you guess is the highest ranked chinese man
2: it's not Zhang Zhu anymore and i forget it's his right. name Jin. yeah Zhang Zhu jen a That's guy right. from uh yeah. from uh, shanghai i think yeah. yes do, do you know his ranking his ranking it was close of uh, hundreds, maybe 130 140 something. Yeah. 140 well it may have been
0: once but today right now when i checked it was 321 <laughs> The because he virus
1: yeah.
2: mm. because he's not he, playing tournaments yeah,
1: his best ranking, but after his
2: every every Chinese player is dropping in the ranking so that relative
0: lack of high-level success why are we seeing more women in China mm. do well and and fewer men
2: I think because like I always said, it's a new sport. The main problem right now, I think we, we should invest more in tennis coaching, actually. So like local coach should have more, more, more knowledge to teaching because it's like for men's is very complex. So you need to have very good techniques, very good tactics, very good mindset, very good physical. Everything must be so perfect for men's. Women's, you need, if you have a strong shot, one or two strong shot is enough. But for men's, you... They are playing good for everything right now. So strong forehand, strong backhand, strong serve, strong volleys, return, everything is so strong. And I think right now, like some local coach don't have enough uh, knowledge how to teaching young generation um, properly, how, how to give them the right form, the right movement for forehand or backhand. So that, that's more a problem about education, how to educate tennis coach in China. Right. And and I think we should also being more focused on the the foundation, on the young generation, like seven to nine years old, create strong foundation with mini tennis. Mini tennis is not developed enough. We should give more attention to mini tennis and, and build up the strong foundation.
1: So moving kind of like maybe further down the ranks, you know, obviously you were at, you were at Nationals a few months back with Lu Jiajing and, and mm. Provincials. And what's that funnel look like? You know, I think in the old in the olden days, people would go around and say, right, you look like a tennis player 10 years from now. So you come with us. Now, is it more about middle class parents sort of saying, you know, tennis is good. Let's give an opportunity to to their children.
2: Sports is a good opportunity for uh, like middle class and poor class, actually, because the government is supporting athletes from the very young age so they can sleep in the sports center. They receive food and they, they receive coaching, so they don't need to be worried about anything. So even you are poor here in China, you still have the chance to make your dreams come true, which is wonderful. If you join the sports center, you play a few tournaments. They like you. You work hard. You show great attitude. They they will support you step by step. And and if you do more result, they will support you more. So it is a very good chance for for Chinese player actually, which we don't have in Europe, because if you don't have money, you just cannot play. <laughs> Period.
1: One of the. The struggles that Chinese tennis has had kind of it's like finding the balance between mm-hmm. the support of that mm-hmm. state system. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, this has sort of been famously discussed with players like Lina. The support of the state system, but also the balance between having her own team and making her own decisions. Do you think the balance is kind of is it just about right these days here? Like you you talked about the support from the government, so that's sort of funding a large platform, but then at that top level mm-hmm. How, how do players know when to go from kind of one to the next, one system to the next, if, as it were?
2: Or to break after and, and going to, to another level, you mean? Yeah. Yes, I think create more experience, uh, surround yourself again, if you have the chance with better team, more coach, with more experience. Now you, you even have more very good quality Chinese coach, actually. Some are, are very wonderful. And if you have the chance... And if your team is agree, try to, to go aboard to practice. Let's say you go for a winter training, like one CNU and one CU now. They don't do winter training anymore here in China. Um, they will go either to uh, maybe IMG or Glue Academy or some other clubs in Spain. So to build up more experience and play with other players, actually, I think that's the most important things. You talked
1: about some of the, the Chinese players struggling in the rankings just because they haven't been able to play a lot of tournaments over mm-hmm. the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. That looks like it's going to remain the case potentially for at least 2022, who knows mm-hmm. beyond, right? What, what what do you think that's going to do? How much of is, is Chinese tennis going to take a hit if tournaments aren't happening in China um, and if Chinese players aren't really able to go overseas to, to play tournaments as well?
2: Well, I think they, they can travel. It's not a problem for traveling for, for Chinese players like now. Like you see a lot of players, they're already outside to doing winter training. So it, it won't be too much a problem. Now I'm just a bit uh, worries more about the, the vaccine uh, passports. How inter- international institutions want to recognize a Chinese vaccine this is one of the main problems. Like Jing received, my player receive a certain type of vaccine who's not approved by the Australian government and she's not allowed to play Australian Open. So that's quite unfair for Chinese players. The quarantines, like you, you need to do your two weeks quarantine, so your three weeks quarantine, I think you can handle that. So that's not too much a problem for players, because if you compete for four weeks, you still need to make a little break. So one week to break, does not affect too much. But how is going on for Chinese vaccine right now for Chinese players? That's pretty unfair.
1: Olivier, what's next for you? 2022, as we said, it's going to be pretty restricted in terms of tournaments mm-hmm. here. And then so both next year and, and and further further down the line. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you see things going?
2: I think I'm very... Uh, I'm not a famous coach, but I have my own experience and I've achieved a lot of dreams already. But um, I still have one more dream, is to try to bring Jing to the top 100. That will be my most beautiful achievement because the dream that I have is bring someone from the scratch to the top 100 as tennis coach. I think just like... Uh, having shortcuts, you switch players to player. you, you can make it happen. Uh, I think it's quite easy. If you're good, you can just catch the opportunity to coach another player, but I'm not a coach like that. I enjoy the process, I, I'm also someone loyal, and, and I really want to go through that process from the scratch to the top to understand that whole process, how it's working on. And, and if I understand this, this process, I believe I could repeat that with other players. And this experience will make me a stronger tennis coach.
1: So you're often uh, at the Kerry Centre Courts in, in Beijing. Can, mm-hmm. uh, can people come find you there? Can, can, uh, are the training sessions open to, to, to the public?
2: Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, I'm coaching also. I'm uh, helping my school and yeah. uh, and and Jean her sister also sharing experience to young kids, and uh, we we are all there to supporting kids and and, and young generation and even adults actually. so uh, we we are really here to help and 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 support people actually, so yeah
1: perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming in.
2: I appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys.
1: Well, that's the show this week. Thanks again to Olivier Grignard. Mark, we have some pretty amazing guests coming up. We do. Uh, we've got some Olympians. We've got some uh, some international uh, superstars. One of China's uh, hot young talents as well. Not going to mention any names until we get them on the show. But we're just uh, trying to sort out the logistics at the moment. Uh, we had Stephen Marbury, of course, last week. If you if you haven't listened to that one, please uh, uh, take a listen to what he had to say. It was great to talk to him again. Uh, but yeah, very exciting time. And um, people listening, if, if they have suggestions about what what who they want us to talk to, who you want us to talk to, you know, what, what we should be talking about, please, uh, please let us know in the comments. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and if you're listening on Spotify, they've
0: just added the ability to to rate the show and add comments. So if you're listening on Spotify, you can um, leave us a comment there. We will read them. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and if you're listening on, on Apple Podcasts, it's so easy to give us five stars. And leave a comment. A couple of you have already left some comments. We really appreciate it. If you like this show, check out some of the other great shows on the Syndicate Network. You can find me on
1: twitter.com slash and Mark. Yeah, Dryer China, D-R-E-Y-E-R China um, on Twitter as well. Okay, so we will be back next week.